Gill. Hi, uh, Eagles Rams on Sunday. Listen to the game right here on 97.3 ESPN. Merrill and Mike have the call starting at 1. We're getting into it now. It's a Sal Pal Friday, the return of Sal Pal Fridays. Got to thank our good friends over at the Griner Burger Realty, all your Ocean City, Upper Township real estate needs. They are bringing you Sal's appearance all season long. Thanks to Johnny G and the boys over there. Sal Pal is back for a Sal Pal Friday. Sal's a frequent Ocean City, Jersey Shore visitor. Sal, welcome back for a Sal Pal Friday. Yeah, thanks to Johnny G and the Burger Real Estate team at Burger Realty. I mean, I'm I'm really thrilled that uh, I'm back on the Mike Gill show. Everybody is really thrilled. Last week, everybody said, "What happened to Sal Pal?" I said, oh, "We're working it out. We got the Sal Pal. He had a, you know, it was a COVID twenty uh, twenty. Things are a little rocky, but we're back and going. We're ready to go. But was Doug Peterson ready to go in week number one, Sal?" Boy, oh boy! You know, I was at that game at FedEx. First of all, Mike Gill, it was a surreal experience. No fans there. Very few reporters. Players had to generate their own energy. And it's interesting. You know, I, I noticed something. If you have to generate your own energy, the momentum swings of a game can be very volatile, very difficult to return, to reverse course, because you just don't have anything to feed off of. So that was one aspect of it. And then, you know, there's the problem of, you're up 17 to nothing, and you're throwing the football, Michael. Why? <laughs> Why are you throwing the football? I was Why hoping. Are you throwing the football. I was Why hoping. Back 50 times. I was hoping right. that he would have texted you that answer. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the kinds of things where if I text him that, I don't get an answer. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, that's a great point, obviously. Let me ask you this. I'll just ask a, 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 a retort question here. He doesn't have Sanders. Scott goes out. Clement was hurt most of the week. Does he not trust any of the backs? Yeah, I, 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 I guess. Um, I guess there's part of that. But I mean, I mean, in, in, in the second quarter, he's got he's got a seventeen to nothing lead. He's got to go into halftime with the momentum. Yeah, and 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 he didn't. And I think it was a killer. Oh, there's no question. And he said, I want to be aggressive. I mean, hey, look, I like to drive 60, but I can't go 60 in a 25, man. I got to know when I can drive 60 and when I can't. And it feels like he just said, I'm going to drive 60 whether the speed limit's 25 or not. Yeah. Drive sober or get pulled over. <laughs> uh, how much of this has to do with this offensive line? I mean, Baldy was on with us earlier this week, and he seemed to think the offensive line stuff was a little overblown, and that's the same message that Peterson's given us. He said, look, these guys didn't play that bad. There was a lot of other things, the running backs not picking things up, scheme, more communication stuff than the line just getting whipped. You know, listen, Michael. Here's the bottom line. There was enough blame to go around. Uh, I thought Jason Peters was overmatched with Chase Young. I thought Jack Del Rio did a good job of, of uh, zone blitzes and scheming up blitzes. There's no question about that. I thought that Carson Wentz held the ball too long. 
There's no way Doug Peterson should 50 dropbacks in that football game. They have to have more balance on offense. Um, they reconfigured the offensive line after Dillard went out, uh, and that didn't help things. You know, there was enough blame to go around, but still, still, you're up 17 to nothing. You have to be able to salt a win wet. You had beaten that team yeah. six times in a row. Carson Wentz was light out against Washington. Light out. What changed? What changed? Carson Wentz all of a sudden to get stupid. He didn't all of a sudden get stubborn. The offensive line had problems. The offensive line was ill-equipped to handle what Washington sent at them. And Doug Peterson called a poor game. Yeah. I, I blaming Carson Wentz for all of it or putting it squarely on him or the majority of it is is misguided. What all of a sudden he get bad against Washington? He was great against them for six straight weeks, six straight games. And a quarter, by the way. He was very good to start that game, and it seemed like they got away with what they started out with. Now, let's kind of transition forward here, Sal, because they got their hands full again with maybe the best defensive player that we've seen in a while in Donald. Brockers is a really good player. After that, I mean, the, the defense, I mean, they played well against Dallas last week, but the interior of the line is going to have their hands full. They are, and this could be deja vu. Same thing. Eagles on a six-game winning streak against the Rams, and they've scored 30-plus points in five straight games against the Rams. They have changed defensive coordinators. Wade Phillips is no longer there. They have this young kid. He's 36 years old. Uh, you know, he the last time he called defense was at John Carroll College in Ohio. Um, he, he, you know, they're moving Aaron Donald around the line of scrimmage. This year he's not static. That's evident on film. So you have to find him, a la Lawrence Taylor, find out where he's lined up so he doesn't wreck the football game. This will be another major challenge. There's no question about it. But Doug has McVay's number. But I said that last week. Yeah. Doug had Washington's number. Um, um, I'm, you know what, Mike? I'm concerned about this team. And there's not many times that I've come on the Mike Gill show in the last four or five years. You can probably count them on one hand. Where I've said to you, Mike Gill, I am concerned about the Philadelphia Eagles. Have I ever said that really very much to you at all? No, and I'm going to follow up with, you know, what is the concerning thing that maybe you're saying causes you to go down that, down that road? By the way, John Carroll's Greg Roman. There's another great offensive mind. he got a defensive coordinator off of John Carroll. How about that? I did not know that. Yeah, that's a good pull by me. Greg Roman, Ventnor City, New Jersey. No, Mike Gill, not a good pull by you. You broadcast down there. You should know. Come on, Mike Gill. <laughs> you probably go by Ventnor 15 times a day. I used, to, you know him. I used to live in Ventnor, yeah. <laughs> no, great pull by you. So listen, <clears throat> Mike, my major problem is I don't see confidence. I don't feel confidence from this team. I feel second guessing. Hmm. Is, um, is, is that coming I'm from? Not, I'm not sure where. I'm, I'm, is yeah, that I'm coming sure from Peterson? From. I think it's coming from the fact that the offensive line just wasn't that good, and they're very unsure of it. 
And it's been like that now for a couple of weeks. All right, let's get a couple Sal Pal keys to this game, and then we'll get your pick for uh, Sunday with the Eagles and the Rams. I, I also, uh, before you run, and you mentioned the game with no fans, I do want to kind of get another thought about me because I heard Prescott and, and some of them guys say it was like playing a freshman game you know, in high school and yep. how much that is yep. playing a factor in some of these games. But give me a couple of keys to the game. All right, well, the number one key to the game to me is they have to have balance on offense. If they don't have balance on offense, they're going to lose the game. Number two is they got a black block on Aaron Donald. And number three, when they're on fence, you have to find the primary read for Jared Goff. Jared Goff is hike the football, hut hut, drop back, look for the primary read, get rid of the football. If he has to go to his secondary read, he's in trouble. And McVay does a good job of finding, the, whether it's Cup or Higby, but that's what McVay designs for Jared Goff. It's hot, hot, turn around on play action. Where's the football going? If he has to hold it, he gets himself into trouble. And that's the reason why I think Jim Schwartz and the Eagles defense has always owned the Rams, whether Carson Wentz is getting knocked out of the game or not whether the Eagles are traveling to L.A. or not. Schwartz has been able to beat Goff, just like Belichick beat Goff in the Super Bowl, held him to three points. Very good offense. Why? Because it's hot, hot, play action pass, turns his back to the defense, then turns around, faces the defense, and has a primary read. And Belichick coached Schwartz. You know, Belichick and Schwartz coached together. And Schwartz knows exactly what Goff is. Belichick knew exactly what Goff is. And that, to me, is the key to the game. If they disrupt Goff off of that primary read, he has problems processing quickly to the second or third read, and then you can get to him. You know who also has that problem? Carson Wentz. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you. It's all about... It's all about making sure he gets to that second one because he's not a quick processor of information after the snap. Huh. Now, Wentz is much better than Goff, but Goff is not that good. As for the, the stadiums, listen, Mike, we're dealing with an unprecedented situation, total upheaval in our society like no other. And frankly, the fact that we are just playing tackle football in America is a miracle in a pandemic. Yeah. It's a miracle. Okay? So I, would, I wish people would do this. Start from the premise that we're blessed to have the game of football. And then say, okay, how can we make the experience better for the paying customers, the fans? They're the most important thing. The players aren't the most important thing. The, owner, the owners certainly aren't. Reporters and network people, we're not the most important thing. The most important thing are the people who watch the games, who care about the game of football, who pay for the tickets, who pay for cable, who pay concessions, who buy stuff for their kids. That's the number one thing that I care about. And so when I go to the game, like last week, I want to be able to bring the fan experience to them 
that they're not getting at the stadium. You got to remember something, Mike, and this number always blows me away. And I'm going to say it to you, it's going to blow you away. And I want you to stick it in your head and remember it. And I got this number from Roger Goodell a couple of years ago when I was talking to him at an owner's meeting. And he said, Sal, 7% of all NFL fans go to an NFL game in their lifetime. Lifetime. Mm. Seven. Seven percent. Ninety-three percent of all NFL fans throughout the country never get to an NFL game in their lifetime. Now think about that and how important it is to make sure the fan at home that loves football, we love it, it runs our life, it's our passion, it's our national obsession. But we have to make sure that the fan at home gets this experience and gets it the best they possibly can. And we will get there. We will definitely get there. It's one week at a time. Yeah. We gotta make we gotta make sure that it gets better each and every week. You see what I'm saying, Mike? Yeah. It's very, I, very important. It's and, very important to understand what we have now. But how can we make it better for fans at home? That's the key thing. Well, and we're seeing each team slowly uh, add, you know, last year, last night 6,000. You had 22,000. Some are going to keep opening up a little bit more. Hopefully everybody's safe out there. There will be nobody there on Sunday for the Eagles and the Rams. Real quick, Sal. I'm going to be there. Sal Maybe will be there. Maybe. Who wins and why? Turn on Sports Centers. Turn on Sunday NFL countdown. You'll see me, and I will bring it all to you next week. On the Mike Gill Show on the South Pal Friday, I promise. We will look forward to that. Who wins and why? Real quick, who 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 you got? Oh, don't do this to me, Michael. Don't do it to me. I, I'm going to pick the Eagles. Going to win twenty to seventeen, but I'm not real crazy about the number. All right, twenty seventeen South Pal Friday here on the Sports Bash. We'll look for you Sunday all over ESPN TV with uh, the text message to Doug Peterson. <laughs> hey, and don't forget, Matchup Show's back with your buddy Greg Cosell, Matt Bowen on ESPN and ESPN2 this weekend. And don't forget, Sal Pal Instagram and uh, get the instant Instagram reactions uh, every Sunday live from Lincoln Financial Field. We are back on a Sal Pal Friday. Sal, enjoy the game. The Johnny G and the Burger Real Estate Group, baby, I love it. See ya. Take care. That is a Sal Pal Friday. He said it right there. It is a Sal Pal Friday. We will get uh, the spread on the game. We'll get all the numbers and everything you need from the Action Network's Chad Millman on the other side. Stick around for that. And then, Broads, we got anytime hotline calls, predictions from our listeners and fans. I can't wait to hear what they have to say. I, I feel we're going to get a combination of, oh, this game stinks, overreaction from week one, and a combination of, hey, it's Friday. It's time to turn the page and be optimistic. What do you think? Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of gloom and doom. No, actually, I agree with you. I think there will be a mix. I think people think they'll bounce back. I thought Sal made a couple of really good points. He has Eagles 20-17. to 17. Let's get Chad Millen from the Action Network up here next on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, NFL Week 2 is here. We have the odds, the numbers you need. Chad Millman from the Action Network set to break them down. He's the chief content officer from the Action Network. 
as he joins us every Friday. Now, there's a lot of interesting lines, a lot of movement, a lot of wild stuff from week one to week two where some of these things opened and where they are now. We'll get Chad's take on why things are moving like this one. Let's start it off. Chad Millman is back with us here on the Sports Bash Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Eagles open at three and a half. Cross the board, one. What catches your eye with that? Well, I will tell you, this is like, this is the buy low, sell high week in NFL betting. Like, no one looks as bad as they looked in week one. No one looks as good as they looked in week one. And this is a perfect example, right? Like, the Rams, they go out and they beat up on the Cowboys in a primetime game, a game a lot of people thought the Cowboys were going to win. They were favored going in. The Eagles, everyone knows what happened there. They blow a 17-point lead. They can't score in the second half. Uh, Their offensive line is falling apart. I would love the Eagles in this spot if I know what's happening with Lane Johnson and Miles Sanders. Like, until I get a clear... Both both in. in. That's what we're hearing. If that's the case, if if that is true... Is that is is that an unofficial report or is that is that is like the rumor that's going around like South Jersey and so? Uh, well, Lane has said he is playing, and Miles Sanders said he is one hundred percent. They have not sent out an official injury report, but that's from both of their lips. If that's the case, I would be all in on the Eagles here, and I, and I'll tell you, that is a great number. Like I'm getting a team that won the the division last year. Uh, at home, a huge move, and you are getting it anywhere from in some places where they are a dog by uh, uh, a point. In other places, they are a one-point favorite. Either way, give me the Eagles as basically like to win the game at home against a Rams team that is probably overvalued 100%. One game that stands out to me is this Minnesota Vikings-Colts matchup. It opened up at two and a half right now. It's at three. The Vikings are underdogs on the road, and and I feel it did look ugly against Green Bay, but that line intrigues me for Minnesota. I hate this game. I hate everything about this game. This game game repulses me. Like I, I look at this game, and I'm like, I can make the case that the Colts were great except for Phillip Rivers and have a much better offensive line against a Colts defense that looked really, I mean, a Vikings defense that looked really depleted and is probably going to take three or four weeks for Mike Zimmer to really figure out what he's going to do with that system with so many guys from last year being gone. Two, the Vikings lit up the Packers defense, and they can do the same to the Colts defense, uh, averaging eight yards per play last week. So to me, like, I'm getting, like, a stink on both these teams. So you don't have to bet every game. This is one I'm going to pass. Uh, Chad Millman, Action Network. Okay, I got another one that's interesting. Opened at 11 at Action Network where I'm looking at all of them. I mean, I see it at 8, 7, 7 7.5, depending on which uh, place you like to go. Titans, Jags. Look, I love, love, love the Titans. And the more that comes in on the Jags, the happier I'm going to be. I mean, and that's a four-point swing. I mean, it went from 11 to 7 at BetMGM. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Like, the, 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 long, the, the longer this game, before this game kicks off, the better off we're all going to be uh, as Titans betters because you're just going to keep getting the best of the number. That's the axiom, right? Get the best of the number. 
And like you mentioned, you're looking at, at action. And like if you're in Jersey, you can set the, your settings so you only get New Jersey lines and you'll get the best of all the lines that are out there. And like the Titans at minus seven, look, they don't look that great uh, on Monday Night Football. And the Jaguars beat a Colts team as they were eight-point underdogs at home. Now, I was on the Jags because we talked about this on the show, like how much I love the Jags. They were just in a really good spot and going against a quarterback who just wasn't very good last year and wasn't very good the first week. They never should have been an eight-point favorite on the road in a very stifling, hot Jacksonville, Florida. So give me a Jacksonville team that is still depleted on defense that is going against a really good Titans team that is a little undervalued because they didn't look so great. I'm going to take the Titans as a touchdown. You did take Jacksonville last week, I do recall. Chad Millman, Action Network. Uh, another game where the line has moved pretty uh, substantially. Dallas opened at minus seven. BetMGM minus four on that game. It's five at DraftKings and other places, but a three-point shift for the Cowboys against Atlanta. Yeah, again, gimme, gimme, gimme the favorite here. Uh, I have, I am not a buyer on Atlanta ever. I feel like they are the sugar rush, empty calories of the NFL. They're always the team that like, they got 500 yards. You know, Calvin Ridley has two touchdowns. Uh, they're, they're an amazing offensive juggernaut team. None of it means anything. They don't cover. They don't win. I think their coaches are terrible. They can't make adjustments. The reason why they're always racking up yards is because they're down by three touchdowns and they unleash, and Matt Ryan's an accurate passer, and they have good weapons on the outside. But you take that team into Dallas, even though Dallas is, has injuries both offensively and defensively, they're just a much better football team. Even with Mike McCarthy coaching, they're a better coach football team, and I've got a lot more faith in sort of their ability to control the ball with Dak Prescott, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, and like what they are developing with C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper like, that's just a, a recipe for them to cover uh, easily for me. How do you feel about the Chiefs on the road? It opened at six and a half, favored by six and a half. Now it's at eight and a half. Yeah, it's probably going to be a pass for me at eight and a half. Like the Chiefs and the Ravens are the two teams where, you know, shame on you if you bet against them. They're a little bit like the Patriots for all those years when Brady was in his prime, right up until last year, midway through the season, like the number couldn't be high enough on the Patriots and you'd feel terrible if you bet it, but you'd feel worse if you didn't bet it. And with the Ravens playing the way they're playing and the Chiefs playing the way they're playing, those numbers are always going to be big, but I'm not going to bet against them because they're so explosive. And especially in the case of the Chiefs, the defense is just getting better. And so they're going up against a team that I think is going to have a hard time sort of scoring any points. Um, even against a defense like the Chiefs that started a mediocre and is improving. So I'm going to have to be on the Chiefs. I like I liked it at six and a half. If you're going to make me choose a side, I'd choose the Chiefs, but that number's getting a little bit too high. All right, Chad Millman from the Action Network. Uh, Millman making us money here. Let's uh, get a you know something you took from week one that you're now going to utilize to make some money in week two. The Dolphins plus five and a half. So this was a game where uh, the Dolphins didn't look great, but they were still in it at the end of the game. You know, Fitzmagic, uh, they were on about the five-yard line, end of the game. He threw an interception. Um, 
I was just really impressed with how hard they played against the Patriots team that is still, despite that, you know, they're just more talented. And the Bills, like, look, they played amazingly well, but they played against the Jets. And the Jets are a terrible, terrible team. And there's an old axiom in sports betting. If you have a home underdog, which the Dolphins are at five and a half, and they are getting less than 25% of the bets, which they are, uh, they're getting about 23% of the bets right now, you automatically take the home dog. Um, it just shows you that the, the, the public, the public mindset is all over the bills, and that means that there's too much value on the Dolphins. The bills are, are, are overrated in this, in this particular point spread. Uh, he's Chad Millman from the Action Network. Uh, you can uh, check that out, actionnetwork.com, and you can see lines from uh, all the different betting apps, and you can check out all the totals and lines for everything, by the way. You like uh, the Lakers tonight? You know what? I am going to root for the Nuggets. Uh, I, I think the Lakers obviously, like, look, they're the favorites, and they should be, and they're the better team. But I'm holding a – they're about uh, six-and-a-half-point favorites tonight, seven-point favorites. I am holding a Denver Nuggets to win the Western Conference at 12-1. to 1. So uh, I'm looking for my gold. All right. Chad Millman, Action Network, right here on the Sports Bash every Friday with a look at the odds uh, for week two in the NFL. By the way, are you handing, handling the phone with your busted thumb or busted pinky? I, well, I put my AirPods in, and it's so <laughs> pathetic. Did you see uh, my friend Darren Ravel just tweet that out or something? It's so sad. I did. Uh, I, I, broke my, I broke my pinky playing basketball uh, with my younger son earlier in the summer. I've been going to pinky rehab all summer. I didn't need surgery, but, like, I waited too long, and the tendons in my pinky, like, shrunk up, and I couldn't move it anymore. So the doctor's like, you got to go to rehab. And now my whole family makes fun of me for going to pinky rehab. And then two weeks ago, I'm playing football with my son, and uh, I didn't catch the ball. It hit my thumb. I broke my thumb, and it was broken so badly, I needed surgery and three pins. Oh, wow. Um, So I had the surgery on Monday, and all I've been getting all week is grief from friends, colleagues, and family about I'm basically down to like half a hand at this point. (laughs) The AirPods came through for today's conversation. Chad Millman. Enjoy the games, pal. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. Chad Millman will be back next uh, Friday right here from the Action Network. He liked uh, Titans, Cowboys, and the Dolphins. He likes the Eagles big time, too, by the way. He said that's easy. I'm glad he feels that way because I feel the same way, although he kind of shut down my Minnesota one. I got a little nervous now. I already placed my bet. I like Vikings plus three. I like them as the dog. I kind of like the Vikings in that game as well, um, and that's only because I'm not sure what to think about uh, Indy, and I like the Vikings a lot more at the beginning of the season than I did after watching them the other day. However, game's on the road. But I don't know what that means in 2020. I don't know what being on the road in 2020 means. There's nobody there. I think the Colts I like that are going to have that up. I think the Last Colts. Night. Are, I think the Colts are going to have like 2,500 people there. I think it is. Okay. How do you think about last night's atmosphere? I think it was. I, I mean, I to be honest, I had the Phillies game had the volume. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. We got to start there. Hold on, hold on. Basketball game had the volume until that ended, and then the Phillies game did. But I had – I was also watching the CFFC fights last night on UFC Fight Pass, and I had the 
football game on my laptop, so I had all three volumes going at once at one point because I can kind of I can take all three in. Like I can, I can do that too. Yeah, I could differentiate which one I want to zone in on. So I was kind of only like a little bit listening to the football game, so I couldn't hear how the crowd like impacted the game. If that makes sense, but it looked now, like there was enough people there to be like, okay, there's at least people here. I'm with you. No, it, there was, there was. It was enough where you can hear it. It was good. You can see it. Good visuals. And that I was only it. that was only six thousand people. That's crazy. It looked way Did more. You see Are we positive was, that was six thousand? Six thousand. Did you see there was a fight? A fight broke out. I did not. And I thought that only happened in Philly. Only the Philly fans getting fights. Well, come on, Cleveland. They got the same attitude we do here, no? I don't know, but I know this. On the other side, we're going to hear from the fans and the listeners. Or uh, are people down on the team? I think you'll probably get more Eagles picks. It's like a big cycle. Monday's overreaction. Tuesday, you're still in that mindset. And then by Friday, you're convinced you're going to win whatever game is up next unless you're heading into New Orleans in a packed stadium, you know? Yeah, let's find out. All right, these are the Anytime Hotline calls for Eagles versus Rams this Sunday right here on 97.3 ESPN. Pre-game coverage, Billy in the locker room, Hunter, Billy, 10 a.m. That'll lead you to the Eagles radio network. Then Merrill and Mike have the call at 1. So we got the Rams this weekend. Honestly, the Rams surprisingly don't scare me all that much. I was actually kind of surprised they beat Dallas. Um, overall, didn't think it was very impressive. Obviously, their D-line is just a beast. And I think the matchup to watch is going to be our offensive line versus their D-line. I mean... If they can get to anywhere near the same pressure the Skins got, it's going to be another rough day for Carson. Hopefully, Miles coming back will help alleviate some of that pass rush. Hopefully, we'll be able to hit him over the top. I'm thinking Djax or Riga are going to burn Jalen. I'm just saying. We'll see. Maybe I'll be wrong. But anyway, man, go Birds. All right. Positive there. Positive vibes on a Friday. He said, yeah, their defensive line, which we know. Their defensive line with Donald isn't as deep and as depth doesn't have the same depth as the Washington line. And I thought Baldy brought up a point on Wednesday about they had eight guys they were rotating, keeping those guys fresh. Lindsay Theory is going to join us at 4.30 today. We'll talk to her about this defensive front. But Aaron Donald, very good. Maybe the best in a long time. Michael Brockers, pretty good. Eh, the rest of them, even Baldy mentioned, they don't have a lot of outside rushers. Let's factor this in as well. We keep talking about the success that Doug Peterson and this coaching staff has had, Jim Schwartz, against Sean McVay and this team. Aaron Donald has been there over the last couple of years. Yeah, Sal Pal brought that up, bros. I'm glad you did. Three times they've played. I wrote an article about this for the website. In three games, Donald has five tackles and no sacks. That's it. Well, Brandon Brooks, though, was involved, right? Difference. He was, but... Donald typically doesn't line up over Brooks. I think he lines up over Sayamala. Now, they might move him around Adam, a little bit. That's exactly. You brought that up. I was going to say, I heard Adam Kaplan talk on Inside the Birds podcast uh, this morning about it and said, you might see him line up on some guys, especially if you see Nate Herbig. Right. I mean, will they try and take advantage of that? If they got Herbig there, they might say, hey, you want to slide over and play that? But he typically lines up over the, the left guard more so than he does on the right side. But he does move around. You know, they don't just always put him in one spot. So, But Lane Johnson being back, I, I would imagine you're going to see some help there. And then Goddard possibly helping out on the ends over there. Now, did you hear Doug Peterson today speak or no? I didn't hear it. I do have the transcript. Okay, there was a question. He was asked about 
Washington's football team and how they blitzed a lot because of the inexperience of the offensive line. And Doug Peterson was like, oh, hold on, let me ask you a question. And he had this sarcastic tone in his voice. So he asked the question to the reporter who asked the question, and I apologize because I forget exactly who did ask the question. He was like, why are you just assuming that this is on the inexperienced offensive line? He said, this is on the running back. This is on the quarterback. Doug Peterson was actually fired up saying it wasn't the offensive line's fault 100%. This is on other pieces as well. Carson Wentz, the running back not picking up the pieces. He was just like fired up about it, though. If you listen to us on Wednesday, Baldy told us that. He said it wasn't the offensive line did not play as bad as everybody's making it out to be. I did. I I understood what he was saying, but at the same time, like he made it as if they didn't get beat one-on-one, which is true. It wasn't like the guys got waxed one-on-one. It was more about the communication. But you can see how important – the communication is just as important as getting beat one-on-one because well, you see what happens when there's no communication. If you go to Baldy's Twitter, Baldy's Breakdowns, he has the play where Boston Scott – kind of looks in there's a blitzer everybody's picked up on the line the blitzer comes on touch scott looks at him he's supposed to slide over and chip that guy he never does and the guy comes and gets a free shot on carson wentz and carson wentz is thinking hey my running back's gonna step in here and take this guy out didn't happen but the offensive line did their job they picked up everybody that kind of happened and, and, and that's why i hope miles sanders makes a difference all right let's hear another call First of all, the Eagles are going to get a win on Sunday. Bounce back performance. First goal take. Greg Ward is going to have two touchdowns, probably around 80 to 100 yards on Sunday. Second goal take. Defense gets three turnovers, a couple intercept, two inter- I'm thinking two interceptions, one fumble recovery. Final goal take. There's going to be a big play from our special team. And yeah, go birds, baby. Another W. I-, I want what he's having, though. Are Greg, you kidding me? A Greg Ward well, big he, day? What's he smoking? Oh, Greg Ward big day? You don't see it? Two touchdowns in 100 yards? It's about the Do only guy. That? It's about the only guy Wentz seemed to trust. That's true. How about this, though? The, the, the defense creating three turnovers, two interceptions? Well, how about what Sal Pal said today about make Goff go to the second read, you know? Take him off the primary read. That's where you get the turnovers. Make him make those decisions because he's been hut, hut, boom, get it out. Hut, hut, boom, get it out. I think an interesting matchup to look for is in the slot with Roby Coleman, who lacks size against someone like Cooper Cup, who has a couple inches on him. That's going to be something to look out for. And Higby, right? I mean, that's a guy who could definitely do some damage. All right, let's get another. So I think the run game is going to be the most important thing throughout this entire thing. It's going to take a little bit to get it going just because it's Sanders' first game back. But I feel like it's going to be the major key. It's going to open up a lot of space for Carson Wentz and hopefully make the offense a little bit better. So I'm going to say an Eagles win. All right. Miles Sanders is the difference with an Eagles win. And I Here's don't my like, concern. See, I don't like this whole, oh, you know, is Sanders is back playing. I think he's he's back. You know, I mean, I hate when, like, oh, well, when these guys play, they don't get eased back in. They're back. Well, see, that's where I was going. So I, I guess we disagree because we saw them do it with Deshaun Jackson. So I just wonder if because of the hamstring, are they going to do it with Miles Sanders? That's all. Jackson's in his 30s. That's a little different. 
I would like to think so. I, I hope you're right. I want you to be right. I just I've seen them do it with Deshaun. Will they make sure? Because let's be real, they want to make sure Miles Sanders is going to be good for the long run, right? So maybe with that, they hold him back a couple plays. Maybe throw Boston Scott in there more than normal. Nah, maybe. I mean, if he, I don't think he's going to get 25 carries. Put it that way. I say 15 in that range. I would like 15. I'd be okay with 15. All right, what else we got? Kind of flying under the radar, Butcher Cox has got to be a bigger impact performer. I looked at the stats from last week. The dude had two combined tackles. Two combined tackles against Washington's offensive line? Are you kidding me? Butcher Cox, you should be blowing through that offensive line. I thought Malik Jackson did a very good job last week, and Josh Sweat, Josh Sweat flew off the edge of the ball really well, I thought. But uh, I think just getting to golf, I think, I think they're going to come out with the dub. I think Carson is going to play better, hopefully, but I think he will. And, uh, yeah, go Birds. Would you plant that call? No, I swear. I swear. I don't <laughs> listen to these before. I didn't listen to that. No, I didn't say you uh, listened to I think he was him. a little harsh on him. I, didn't say you... I mean, I, I didn't think he was great. But, see, he didn't factor in. I factor in what he does when it comes to stopping the run. They didn't have success running the football, and that's because Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, they eat up that middle. Right. I mean, if you're trying to grade someone a tackle oh, based on how many right. tackles he has. He's right. not going to make the tackle a lot of times, but he's going to force the play for someone else to make the tackle. No, the, I'm with you. And Fletcher Cox, like, he's not a like insane. He doesn't always have to have monster sacks to be a factor in well, the game. If you're either. trying to count on a defensive tackle to get you sacks, I mean, come on. I mean, defensive right. tackles aren't there to sack the quarterback. They're there as run stuffers, get up the field, make the guys, you know, when they try to run up the middle and there's no room, that your linebackers come in and make the tackle. I didn't plant the call, but I get where the guy's coming from. I just don't think he's giving him enough credit. I'm not as far as this guy is. I, I would like more out of him, but I don't think he stinks yeah, and I, needs to, you know. Yeah, that was uh, that was something there. All right. The biggest problem with this team is all of a sudden Fletcher Cox is what this guy No, said. I don't think that's what we say, though, when we say he needs to pick it up a bit. Eh, people just want the ceiling of the player every week. We'll see if he shows up. He should be able to beat this matchup, though. I'd, I'd expect him to have a good day. All right, what else we got? The main concern going into this game, probably offensive line. I saw that they like picked up some guys from the practice squad. I'm not sure how much I trust them. I mean, we got Lane Johnson back, but the rest of the O-line is not looking well. I also think that we're getting Mal Sanders back, so he's going to have to step it up if Carson can't do it himself because if, Car if he can't rely on Carson, he has to rely on the run game. And Mal Sanders is going to be there this week. So hopefully he bounces back from a small injury and we have a good game against the Rams. Defensively, I think the Eagles had a great game last week. So hopefully they keep it up against the Rams offense. Are you afraid of the offense of the Rams? Uh, it's not as explosive as like when you think of this team the last couple times they've played them. I mean... If they run the ball like they did last week, I don't know. The, the problem that I I said is I like the Eagles against the run. The, 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 the concern I have is if they run the ball and, and stick with it and wear you down and make it like, you know, a 17-14 kind of game where your defense is kind of gassed late in the game and they kick that late field goal to win it because they wore you down all game with the run. I was thinking. 
Are you afraid of any? I'm just thinking of some matchups. I think the one that stands out to me the most is Roby Coleman in the slot. And I think that that's his former team. And I think Roby Coleman does a good job of being small. But Cooper Cup is a guy that has some length to him. And I wonder if they can maybe exploit that matchup. Now, see, it's, this has been brought up earlier this week. And see, in the slot, I don't think the size plays as well. It's not like... Cooper Cup's going down the field, and it's a jump ball, and he's going to be able to go up over top of you. A lot of that stuff is underneath stuff, and it's positioning. And if Roby Coleman does a good job of getting good position, I don't think the size should be that big of a factor. And I think it's big, too, that this is his former team because then you might know some tendencies of some of these players. Yeah, him and Cup are pretty good friends. And by the way, Lindsay Theory, who's going to join us for the outside view today, she actually wrote a piece and covered Coleman going back to his days at USC. So she knows this matchup very well. So we'll talk to her at 4.30 today. But, you know, I, I don't. I'm not, that's not a, like, I think Roby Coleman can handle his own there. I think Slay should do a good job with Robert Woods. The one area that I guess you gotta be a little concerned about, you mentioned Higby. I've mentioned him all week long. I like Higby, the tight end. Who matches him up? Is that Geary? You know? Right. That would not be a matchup that I love, but he, sometimes, isn't it weird? Like, sometimes you look at it and go, huh, you know, he was flying around out there when you look at Nate Gary. It's like, what? what? How, where, where did that come from? I mean, <laughs> but I don't love the matchup. He's a he's an athlete. I mean, he and one of the things that the Eagles like about him is he's good in coverage, and you know he's smaller, faster, but he's not a big physical linebacker. He's not a great tackler. You know, their How offensive about this, line. Do, do you think that they're going to game plan to stop? Da I'm thinking of Dallas Goddard. Right, that was a monster performance last week. Do you think that they have something in their game plan where it's like we need to stop Dallas Goddard because if you do that opens up Ertz or do, do you think they I don't know it's, it's a weird spot to be in when you look at what Dallas Goddard did last week and if you're an opponent the following week what do you do with yeah. Dallas Goddard yeah it's a great point I mean do you focus more on Goddard or Ertz now and then if you do that I think the Eagles well something had to be up with Jackson more than they're saying there's no way he's on a pitch count you're right. That look the way that they speak to us. You're, they could be lying all over the place. And if he's on a pitch count, you didn't utilize him in the few pitches that he gave the way that he should have been used. They only took like one, uh, maybe two shots down the field with him. But I thought they could have. If you're using him for fifty percent of the snaps, I would have taken more. You know, used him in a little bit different matter. I guess. I wonder what John Hightower's role is going to be in this week. Hopefully, less than it was last week. All right, let's get another call. What do I worry about from the Los Angeles Rams? In no particular order, that would be Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, and a little bit of Aaron Donald. You know, the Rams have a good offense, but not a, you know, spectacular offense. And to me, this is a must game for the Eagles. If you start off 0-2 in the conference, that's tough to overcome. I like the Eagles 24 to 13 in this one. Hopefully they'll have a better game plan coming in and hopefully Wentz won't play hot potato with the football. Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald. He said it right there. I agree. And, and I think he's right though in terms of the importance of this game. You know, how it, you can't be 0 2 with that murderer's row schedule coming up down there after Cincinnati next week. And then after that, you got that that three game stretch of Baltimore, San Francisco, Pittsburgh. I, you got to win this game. 
I feel there's going to be a sense of urgency because of that, though. When you lose like you do in week one, when you come to the NovaCare complex the next time you have practice, there's a different level of focus. You know, you go in there and it's like, hey, it's a, it's time to go to work. There's a different intensity level in, in the brain from everyone. So I would like to think that they utilize the position they're in to focus a little harder throughout the week to put themselves in a great position. Sal Powell earlier this hour says, I'm concerned about this team. That concern you. Yeah, I'm a little concerned for sure. It's a big game. Big game. Can't go into Cincinnati against the Bengals. Well, you're playing them here, but you're getting Burroughs now on a rested longer week. Played pretty well last night. I was impressed. But Cleveland got a dub. A little dub for the, for the Brownies. All right, on the other side, it's football at four. What did Doug Peterson say today that stuck out? Matchups to watch and X Factors from Andrew DeCecco next. This is the radio home of Philadelphia Eagles football. It's week two, and the Eagles host the L.A. Rams at the link. Back again goes Goff. He steps up. He is hit. Pre-game coverage begins at noon. Merrill Reese and Mike Quick call all the play-by-play action starting at 1 p.m.